of Women in Customer Success podcast, the first women-only podcast where remarkable ladies of customer success share their stories and practical tools to help you succeed and make an impact. I'm Maria Skobepile, your host, and you're listening to episode 18. If you like this podcast, go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review so others can also find it and get the benefits from hearing some remarkable stories from our guests. Today, I'm talking to Diana De Jesus, customer success leader and one of the 100 customer success strategists in 2020. Diana is also a creator of Keep the Customer, a blog dedicated to retaining customers, a leader, an influencer, and at least for me, the CS queen of LinkedIn. She has built her online presence and thought leadership during the last year, and today she is sharing her tips and strategies of creating content and building an online audience. Where to start from? What type of content to post? How often? How to engage with the audience? And how to do it all alongside your day job and personal life? Diana is encouraging us to give it a go. She says, Whatever you have to share is super important. Everybody has their own story. Everybody has different things that they're passionate about, different perspective on things. And there is space for everyone to say something. So let's get into this little masterclass of building your LinkedIn presence. Hi, Diana. So nice talking to you. Hello, hello. I'm super pumped to be here. Can I just say that once I saw that this podcast was a thing, I immediately said, I need to one, listen to this, but also shout them out because this this is amazing. As a woman in customer success, I'm thrilled to be part of this podcast right now. That's so nice to hear. (laughs) Thank you, Diana. That's exactly why this podcast is live and what it's all about. Let's put a spotlight on women in customer success. And what is very, very exciting for me and and for listeners as well, it's usually the ladies' career journey. So why wouldn't we start with you telling me a bit about your career journey and and your background? Absolutely. So I, just like every other customer success manager, started in like a totally different world. But back in the day, I honestly thought I was going to be this amazing attorney And I then did an internship and I was like, oh no, that's, I don't really like that. But I kept going in college and then worked at a law firm and 100% said, no, this is not for me. So from there I did it, like I did a bounce around a little bit. Um, I bartended in New York city, which is where I'm from. And then a couple of years down the road, kind of just, accidentally fell into creating a website and thought, oh my God, this is so cool. I want to learn how to maybe work in tech. Like, how do I go about doing this? So I started teaching myself how to code for for some time, join a tech community. And then my first job was as a customer success agent, which was not what we think about when we think about customer success today. But that was nearly four or five years ago. And it was more of like a technical role. So I needed to know a little bit of how to code to get this role. And once I was in it, I was like, 
I love being in front of customers. And I also like the tech side. So I've been in the SaaS startup space for some for some time now. And that's been the journey to getting into customer success slash like more of a technical role. What would you say were your defining moments in your career? Well, one, def- definitely knowing that I did not want to be a lawyer. That was number one, because that set me up to just detach myself from this concept that to be successful, especially as a woman, I needed to have like this super powerful title or be in this super powerful role. And the reality of it is I, I just wanted to be happy and I wanted to do my best work. And some of those things came about when I was in my first role and being technical was something that I felt like, yeah, I can be a woman and be technical and be powerful in, in my job. And then a couple of other moments was um, actually taking this course by this company called Reforge. And it was about retention um, and adoption. And after I took that course, I realized that, yes, I loved building the support team, which is what I was doing at the time at Hadjar. I love that aspect. But what I really wanted to do was make sure that we were retaining the customer. And I just fell in love with that. And that's that was like that pivotal moment where I was like, I want to be in customer success. That's the space that I want to be in. I would say that's that's also a highlight in the journey there. A few things that you already mentioned. Firstly, your background in law. I don't know if you noticed when I interviewed Michal Harrell, she was one of my favorites as well. So her background was in law and she had a similar kind of epiphany, like, that's great, but I'm not doing it in my life. <laughs> I was very much inspired by her story as well. The second thing, you framed something uh, you wanted to retain the customer. Is that where Keep yeah. the Customer came about or, or how did that happen? Yeah, you're absolutely right. So while in that support role, there wasn't much that I could do to like focus a lot on retention, right? It's such a reactive role. While I was managing the team, we had a lot of awesome ideas around like how we would go about, you know, retaining these customers or being a little more proactive. And I was focusing more on that onboarding stage, but still I wasn't really getting the experience that, that I wanted to get into focus more on retention. So I was talking to one of my friends in marketing and I was like, what do I do? Right? Like I, I want to learn more about retention. I want to do more. And he's like, Hey, if, if you can't, if you don't have the experience and someone's not going to give you the experience that you need, just make it. And that's where the idea of keep the customer came from, just creating my own little space where I can listen to these podcasts that were about how these companies are, were retaining their customers, the different processes that they use, the different strategies and all these key players in the SaaS startup space. I started to recap those webinars or those podcast episodes And that's how that came about. And I essentially taught myself more about what it meant to retain customers and customer success through Keep the Customer. Well, that's an awesome story. You were learning a great deal about the industry, but also um, you were helping others in the industry to learn just by recapping everything that was going on. So tell me about that whole process of creating the content and putting it out there, making it available for the whole world. I believe that was also the beginning of creating your own personal brand. So tell me about the journey as it really sounds fascinating. I knew that I liked writing um, and I knew that because I wrote this humongous article on Medium about this book that I like called Hook by Nia Real. 
And it's such a deep book about product adoption and internal and external triggers and all this fancy stuff. And I really loved writing that article. And it was the first glance that I also got into okay, like LinkedIn is actually pretty cool because I wrote this article and about 9,000 people saw it, but I only had like 800 connections, right? And then from there, I, I realized, you know, I don't have the experience to write about retention. I need to get it from someone else. And that's where obviously all these amazing people that share all their learnings on podcasts and webinars, I started just thinking like, what if I just recap what they wrote, right? I don't have to make up anything. I could just recap what, what they're saying and, and just write it myself in a way that is quicker for people to just read, right? Podcasts, I love them. But sometimes, you know, like as a mom, sometimes I don't have an hour to listen to a podcast. I, re- I need to get the information, yes, but I, I don't have that hour. So I thought about like myself as, as the consumer and not having the time, but needing the information. And I started recapping it. And I think like two months in, I was doing all right. And then it, I just stopped. And I was like, what, what am I, what's my purpose with this thing? Right. I, I picked it back up and the journey is, it's tough. It's tough writing, keep the customer because it means that, you know, three days out of the week, I have to wake up at five o'clock in the morning or five thirty to like, work on this thing to recap this episode to edit this to you know build a site hate it build another one hate it and then build another one like that's been the journey so far but i'm so proud of every little milestone and everything that i've learned uh, along the way oh diana it's so fascinating so now now i get your secret so that's the only time in a day or night shall we say when you get to do it wow and you still keep on doing it which is absolutely marvelous Let's talk about that journey that brought you to LinkedIn. At a moment, you're still doing keep the customer, you're putting those hours into creating the content. And then at some point you become intentional about creating content on LinkedIn, right? So I can see you have a strategy, you know how often you're posting and what type of content you're putting out there. So you're creating your online presence and building your personal brand. And it's really a great thing. And I'd like us to go back to the very basics. How can you sell this to others? I'm thinking of some amazing professionals out there who might not even be on LinkedIn, although I I think that's probably pretty rare now, or they have a profile which they update only if they're planning to change a job, but definitely are not active. And Obviously, that could be due to so many different reasons. Uh, They might not have any interest or any even need to post content or engage with others, or they are just not comfortable doing it, or they have no time. It's not a priority. It could be really anything. So what have been the benefits for you on creating content on LinkedIn? And what would you tell those people? Why to even bother? What's in it for them? So that's... That's a great question. And I love it because I am constantly thinking about like, why should people do this? And then I look at myself and I'm like, that that's why this whole journey of why you've gotten here is why, right? And to look at that, I have to think back to a year and some change ago, I was feeling 100% lost, right? I wanted to change careers. 
I wanted to do something, but the only thing that I had to my name was literally my resume and a cover letter. And that was it, right? A couple of references. And sadly, nowadays, especially during COVID, we're realizing that, you know, that's not enough. How do you stand out from the sea of everyone else that's doing the same thing and has the same thing on their resume? The importance of being active on LinkedIn is it has so many different factors. One, you know, yes, you're putting yourself out there, you're staying relevant, but two, you're learning from these industry leaders that can potentially help you excel in your career. And three, you're building the relationships um, so that if you ever needed a job, you have a better place to start from. And as a person that a year and a couple of months ago was totally lost and didn't have any of those things, I can tell you that it's so much easier finding a job once you have your brand out there than it is when you have absolutely nothing. And I told myself when I was feeling just kind of lost in my, in my journey there that I never wanted to feel that way again and to just work in silence. And there's this one amazing woman that I love. Her name is Mel Robbins. And she talks about the five second rule. But then she also mentioned something that really resonated with me, which is you have to work in high visibility. And what that means is you need to just stop working behind closed doors, quiet on Slack, like not saying the projects that you've worked on. And that doesn't just happen in the workplace it also needs to happen for yourself, right? You, you are your own marketer, you are a walking story, you are your own brand. So what are you doing to help yourself be active and work in high visibility? So what about the people who may be great in the work they are doing in their day jobs and they are happy with their careers and might not even have any need to actually go out there and showcase to the world how good they are what would you tell them? Why should they give it a go? So I, I, you know, I highlight like getting a job as, cause that was the thing that propelled me. But when I tell you that I built the best relationships ever, I, I'm not lying. I have to shout out two of my good friends right now, actually three, Elizabeth Corlin. So Elizabeth, I met her at the very beginning of the year and we just hit it off. She reached out to me for like a quick video that she wanted to do. And, and then we started working on this huge project called the open book of customer success. And that one, it built a relationship, but it produced something amazing in the customer success space. And then two other friends of mine, Felipe and Gabriela, um, both in Latino America. And we were just like, hey, let's connect and let's build this community for customer success managers that speak Spanish. And that happened. So it's like building relationship with people is something that right now, not a lot of us are getting because of COVID, right? It's like, it's either our teammates and that's pretty much it. But LinkedIn allows you to have a bigger reach um, international reach, right? Elizabeth's all the way in France and Felipe's in Ecuador and Gabby's in Mexico. So all these different people I would have never met before had it not been for LinkedIn. And you don't have to be like actively posting or doing all this extra stuff. You could literally find a post that resonates with you, leave a comment, and you are building that relationship with other people. So it's a way to, uh, it's a way of connecting with other people that's really the, the big importance. That's a big ROI of a, of a tool like LinkedIn. I'm so happy to hear about those relationships because 
usually those amazing connections happen face to face and now you're yeah. living proof how it can happen so nicely so well done uh in the online space I'm, i'm really happy to hear that and recently i heard kind of a new term ror return on relationship and oh. what can that bring to your life so when we are talking with customers you know it's always all about roi and that's how we position ourselves but this is now the time of relationships and you're really a living proof again how how that can work absolutely amazing now there's lots of things you're working on at the moment you're doing keep the customers where you are recapping the content and putting it out there in a blog then you're doing your customer success project and you're putting your early morning hours into it so that's really the industry knowledge and then you're posting your own content of linkedin and your thought leadership and that's really personal that 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 that's your own vulnerability how do you feel about it yeah i i would say that at the very beginning it sucked when i was sharing on linkedin for lack of better words oh. it was lonely it was quiet people did not care i didn't know what i was saying and i didn't know who wanted to hear me say anything right i i just felt like i was throwing stuff on the wall and seeing seeing what what would stick so it was months and months and months of one little comment here and there like one little interaction and that's totally normal and one thing that i realized during that time is that i didn't really have a brand per se like and when i say brand i mean like what did i want to really talk about what did i care about what represented me and when i sat down and i asked myself a couple of questions like look what it, what is it that you're passionate about what do you want to say to people right there's everybody's reading the same book about customer success everybody is you know probably listening to the same podcast they're going to the same webinars they're going to the same event what can you say that's totally different and the one angle that i realized wasn't being um explored or talked about was like what does it look like to be a customer success manager every single day what does that look like and to me i wanted to share more of that experience what was it like to be a customer success manager what i see now is that you know when i share my content about like keep the customer i try to limit that so i'll do it like maybe once a week definitely once a week like every wednesday i have my i have my my strategy as to like when i post what but it has become a little more strategic I spent some time looking at the posts that I had written and the traction that I got on it and thought okay that worked let me try that again and then I started using this tool called Shield app which if you're on LinkedIn and you're building your brand and you know you have a little more engagement you can use that tool to track a bit more of the performance in a just in a more sophisticated way that LinkedIn doesn't allow you to see but then I also use tools like buffer um which allows me to post things uh scheduled because at the end of the day I'm still a mom right I still have my job I still have all these things that I need to do so it's not like I'm an actual machine that's like 9 a.m. here we go I'm posting this thing every single day and there are weeks where I'll post like two things so I try to break it up I get a lot of my inspiration from my actual day job. So as I'm going through my day, I'm like, "Hmm, that was crappy. I want to talk about it." And I'll just make a quick note and I'm like, "I'll post about that next time." Or I think back to how I improved over some time or a weakness that I have that other customer success managers have too, but no one wants to talk about it. I'm okay taking the fall for everybody and being vulnerable. That's something I really love about you. You talk about what we do day to day 
and I like reading your content as it is really raw, very relatable. And I guess, you know, we grew up with that idea that leaders are people in positions with title, with power, and then you follow them, you look for the events they might be speaking, you're reading their books, and just really trying to absorb whatever they're doing and follow their steps. But then I changed my trajectory, I guess during COVID, as I started to see that whole new conversation about CSMs and customer success, not only as a category or industry, but really hearing about day-to-day stuff that CSMs are experiencing. And it's really great when you're listening to people with like 20 plus years of experience. Of course, it's amazing, but it feels so different when you're hearing what you're peers and colleagues are saying it's just so much more relatable and maybe even more practical you you get so much value for your day-to-day job that's why i really love your content well i appreciate that and i don't think i've ever i don't think i've i i I, i've seen it like that um I, i haven't seen myself in that light but i totally agree with you on the point of like you have these leaders that Yes, we go to the events and they share all their thoughts and they're posting. Um, and one day, this was probably the one day that I was like, ooh, I'm gonna get some heat for this post. But I said, hey, I would love to go to an event and actually hear from individual contributors, you know, other CSMs tell me what they're doing in the day-to-day that works and what doesn't. I think, you know, CS leaders, they're leaders for a reason, right? These big people, 20 plus year, they're there for a reason. They've done all those things. But in my day-to-day, I need to do stuff that is the day-to-day work, right? What do I say on this call? What do I do on this call? How do I get X information? And that's that's essentially what I wanted to talk about. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. When I started this podcast, I, I firstly had the idea of featuring, you know, all these amazing leaders who are CCOs or, you know, at least VPs, because they will surely have great things to share. But then so quickly I realized, oh no, that's not actually what I want. There is so much value in hearing from women at the different stages of their careers. So I, I really love this movement of individual contributors and because that's how you develop your leadership. So thanks again for being part of it. Now, going back to LinkedIn, you shared some tips around when to post and what to post. So for the listeners who are just observing the conversations on LinkedIn, but not taking active part yet, what would you say, uh, where to start from? What's important to have in mind? Yeah, so I, I'm actually getting ready to do this um, course for folks that do want to get out there and be more vocal on LinkedIn and just like really don't know where to start. But let's talk about some of those things that I'll I'll share in the course as well. To start with, just understanding who you are can help you see the posts that you want to engage with, can help you follow the people that you want to just learn from and things like that. So that's very important. Start following people that really resonate with you. So for example, when I started building a little bit more of like that customer success community, I realized that, well, I'm not really seeing a lot of customer success posts. So how am I supposed to engage? And the first thing I did was just start adding people 
that had the title customer success manager, whatever. And I would send them a little note saying like, Hey, I would love to grow my customer success network. I'd like to connect with you here on LinkedIn and little by little, that's how I started building that. And then if you're on there and you're like, okay, no one cares about what I'm going to say, or I have nothing to share. Trust me, whatever you have to share is super important. Everybody has their own story. Everybody has different things that they're passionate about, different perspective on things. You know, I'm a customer success in a SaaS startup. You might be a customer success on the enterprise side in a corporate place. Like those experiences are totally different and there's space for everyone to say something. And again, you can engage all you want. You don't have to do the whole posting thing, but when you're ready, just know that, you know, the things that you've learned from people on LinkedIn, you can post about that. You read a book, you read an article, you saw a tweet, you can post about that. Personal experiences, you can also post about that. Like nothing is off the table and we all are entitled to have our own stories and share our stories and just know that in the first couple of weeks or months, it's going to suck. No one's probably going to really like your stuff or you're not going to get the engagement that you you think you're going to get. So there's this thing where you have to be patient as well and be consistent. So if you are going to give this a go, you want to post three times a week is the recommendation, not just by me, but by other folks who also stalk the LinkedIn algorithm. Um, those are the main things that you have to keep in mind. But the most important thing that I realized over all of these months, over this year, really, is to just be authentic and be yourself. I don't want to force a post out there that doesn't really say who I am or doesn't reflect who I am. I don't have any sponsored posts or anything like that. So everything is just me being authentic. And if you can just be your authentic self and let the world either accept you or the ones that want to reject you, whatever, they weren't there for you to begin with, then you kind of have that first, like that angle to go with uh, on LinkedIn. Yeah, it's kind of difficult to think that someone would reject you. I mean, they might not like the post, right? Well, how would rejection look like? What's the worst thing that could happen? When I say rejection, I think that was really harsh. <laughs> I don't think the world's going to be like, no, delete this. This is bad. No one's ever going to say that. So let me just fix that up. But I, I haven't had a troll or anything like that. Like, I've never had a bad comment. When, when I say rejection, I think your mind will understand what rejection means to you. And sometimes it's that post that you spent the entire day thinking like, wow, this is totally going to be, oh, it's going to be amazing. People are going to love it. And then you put it out there and it's like crickets, you know, that's rejection for yourself because it didn't really go as good as you wanted it to go. So that, that is that, that silent time when you get started with LinkedIn, where there's just like empty space and silence all okay. in all. But it's definitely a great thing to have in mind. So when you're starting, if that's what we would consider rejection, you know, no interactions, yeah. no likes. Yeah, it kind of sucks, but it needs to happen, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously I'm married and have my kids now. Not obvious, like it's supposed to be, but <laughs> obviously I'm married. Um, but basically it's like when you were, let's say if you're on a dating app and you send your first message and you think like, oh, they're going to 
totally reply to this. And they don't like that is similar on LinkedIn, right? You send out your message. You're like, all right, world, here you go. And then no one replies. That's a really big part of getting started on LinkedIn. There are a couple of things that I stay away from, like tagging too many people on a post or using like 50 different tags or even resharing. So the the big no-dos on LinkedIn is resharing other people's posts. Um, you've probably seen like links always go in comments. And the reason for that is because the distribution of a post that has a link within it somehow doesn't go as far. It doesn't get as many views. And the way that LinkedIn works is if your post does well in your first connections, then it'll show it to the second connections. And then it'll, you know, it'll keep going. And that's how posts go viral um, on LinkedIn. Things have changed a little bit though on LinkedIn. I'm not sure if you've noticed, just like over this last week, things have changed a little bit. So this might be outdated by the time, by the time you publish it. LinkedIn seems to change algorithms very often. But I guess now we know that engagement is what matters. It's much more important to engage with the audience than just to post or broadcast your your, your content. I wonder, have you ever done agreements with someone else around building your community? Like, can you comment on my post so I will comment on yours? <laughs> or was it all organic? My posts in English, they're all organic all of them. I started from the very bottom and the people that did engage is because they wanted to, um, not not because I asked them. Now, I know like some people do the pods and actually this community that I created, Customer Success in Espanol, it's for customer success managers that are Spanish speakers. And one of the things we did was develop this hashtag, hashtag called Customer Success in Espanol. And so we did create like this little pod between ourselves because our mission is to amplify customer success as a philosophy in the Latin American community and the Spanish speaking countries. And there is no content in Spanish. We are the ones that are generating it. It literally has like 55 followers. So, you know, it's a very, very small community. So in order for us to build, it's not going to happen organically. There's no one there. So we are having to help each other out every time we post something in Spanish and use that hashtag. But aside from that, everything is organic from, from the English side. Another tip you mentioned was to put the link in the comment for better reach. I guess you would also want to ask questions and not just to share something that wouldn't invite others to respond, right? So what else can you do to get more engagement? To start, when you are writing a post, you want to write something where you're not just telling people what to do. You'll notice in my post, it's a lot of sharing my experiences. I will talk about takeaways, those, those sorts of things, but I'm not telling anybody what to really do here. And I always pose a question or try my best to pose a question within the actual post. So I'll say like, what are your tips on, you know, how to, how to do quarterly business reviews? Or can anybody share any recommendation on this? Or what has your experience been with X tool? And that way people are like, oh yes, I want to share. I want to comment because naturally people want to share, people want to be heard, people want to talk, right? So you need to ask that question in your post. If you just say like, I love, you know, I love these calls every week. It's like, okay, great. You know, like I have no reason to engage with that. Great statement. I'm happy you like it. Like that's it, you know, 
But if you if you give it more context and you if you position it as a conversation, that helps. And then once you're in the comments, you know, you can ask follow up questions. So sometimes I'll have people share something in the comments. I'm like, oh, I'd like to know a little bit more. So I'll be like, what does that look like on a day to day or something like that? And they will then talk a little bit more. I learned about something this year called the golden hour. And the golden hour means when you create your post, that first hour that that post goes up is super important for it to get that distribution that it needs. So within that first hour, anytime someone comments, you should be on top of that and going back to it and commenting because the more comments you generate on a post, the more the distribution. And it doesn't matter where this comment is coming from. It just, if you're just commenting back saying thank you or engaging or whatever it is, then you're helping your posts reach a, a bigger audience. So I would presume your time zone matters a lot for the golden hour, right? As I'm in Europe, so if I post something at my 9, 9 a.m., that will reach folks in Europe and APAC. But I can't have the golden hour engagements with the Americans, right? Yeah. So you have to be you have to be strategic and be consistent too with the time that you post. So for me, um, it's like 9 a.m. Like I mentioned earlier, 9 a.m. is special because that's when you know some Americans are already on. I'm discounting obviously like people in San Francisco, but that's okay. So I know that my main audience is in um, India. I know that they are distributed through uh, EMEA and I know that they are on the East Coast and I know that they're in South America in some places. So I need to, you know, compress it down to my time zone and kind of catch all these people there. That's really great to hear. You're strategic about the time you post your content. So if you want to catch the golden hour, you kind of need to be available during that time. So when do you actually engage in the comments? Do you need to set time for it? Uh, because obviously you'll keep on receiving comments constantly throughout the day, but you can't engage always as, you know, they, then you could do only that for the rest of the day. Yeah, I love that question because I think that's the one common struggle that everybody talks about. Like, well, how do I stay on top of this, right? And at the very beginning, when I started posting, I would post at 8 a.m. so that I can catch a bit of the 9am, right up until 9am. And then I would start my job. But what I've been doing recently is like, yes, golden hour matters. But at this point, I feel like I have enough engagement to let the comments kind of work by themselves. And I'll get back to it when I can. One of the biggest things that I had to do to stay on top of LinkedIn is to actually stop being on other social media platforms. So I don't have Facebook, I don't have Instagram. Like I'm on Twitter, but barely and everything, my, my social media time for the day is all LinkedIn. So for me, you know, I'm, I might check it really quickly on like a quick break on at around 10, 1030. And then I'll wait for my lunch break. I'll do a little bit there. And then in the evening, I'll do even more there as much as I can. But I've gotten to the point where sometimes it's not manageable. And so what I end up doing is instead of posting five days a week, like I was now I'm down to like three or four days a week so that I can have one day where I'm catching up on comments and replying to people in my inbox, things like that. And I really wanted to ask you, you're a mom, you have twins, right? How do you get it all? How, how is life for you? Uh, well, you know what? We don't put laundry away. <laughs> um, I wish I was joking, but it's actually real. I did laundry yesterday and I did not put it away. We're at a stage in our lives, like my husband and I, where it's 
super important that career is, you know, in the spotlight. But obviously, we also have our children. And those two things are their high priority. So with our kids, we I'm a planner and my husband hates that. But like, I have a plan for every single little thing. I wake up and it's like super early and I'm like, okay, breakfast is this, that lunch will be this and dinner will be that. And at this time, all these things will happen. It is like a little military house in my home. But obviously there's also time for fun and all this good stuff. During the weekends, we don't, I don't focus much on work, right? I might write a little bit, but I'm not focusing on that. I'm focusing on my family dinner time specific for my family. There is no TV. There's just like us. There's just us. But, you know, in the time that I would spend on Netflix or in the time that I would sleep in, I take that time and I maximize it as much as I can within for all my projects. And sometimes I ask myself, like, why are you doing all this? Like, why would you torture yourself? But the truth is, I love it. You know, every time I get a message from someone that's like, you know, I'm so happy that I found your content because I want to get into customer success. And so this has been super helpful. I want to do more of that. I want to help more people get into customer success because I realize the value of the industry. But there's days where honestly, like, I'm like, I'm done. You know, I don't, I haven't posted on Keep Customer in the last two weeks because I had other priorities, right? It's not this thing where I'm like chained to it. It's a privilege for me to work on all these different things when my time allows for it and when my family is in a good place. I have a very helping husband as well. I'm, I have to give him a shout out because um, one thing that I wanted to make sure of when we got into this relationship was that, hey, you're going to do work too, okay? I'm not doing it all. And that was something that he was very understanding of and you know supports me in everything that I do. And then the last thing is that like, ladies, don't be afraid to get a housekeeper if you can because your house is going to fall apart. Like my house is falling apart and a housekeeper saving my life right now. Great tips. And those are important <laughs> things. You know what people say, you can't have it all at the same time. So you just know what you can focus on and just do it because yes, not everyone can do keep the customer at, at this time, but almost everyone can come and clean your house. Right. And everyone right. Is happy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What would be your message for aspiring leaders in customer success? I would say, you know, don't wait for the opportunity to come to you. Go out there and find it. Go out there and make your own space and go out there and be yourself. And especially to the women that are listening, don't apologize for it. Be yourself, be authentic, go out there and learn what you have to learn. Spend your time wisely and don't be, you know, afraid to stand out and, and do what you have to do. We're, I think we're, we're at a very special time as women that we can thrive. We can, ha we can have all these different things and we shouldn't be afraid to, to get it and, yeah, to be mislabeled for it. Oh, what a wonderful way to end an episode. Thank you for that. You've definitely made your own path for yourself and for so many after you. So, you know. Big shout out and big thank you for that. Uh, this was a wonderful chat. Thank you, Diana. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, I'd like to hear from you. So follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and get in touch on womeninCSpodcast.com. Subscribe now so you don't miss out on the following episodes. Have a great day 
and talk to you soon.